0: hello everyone welcome to a millennial learns thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode today is a state episode which means we're going over the history and all of the fun facts of a certain state we're doing it in the order that they join the union so we're on number five and that is connecticut so i learned a ton about connecticut this week seems like again I keep saying this about a lot of these places but it seems like a great place that i would like to go and visit and so we are going to dive into all the fun stuff and all of what connecticut has to offer so i hope you enjoy the episode <laughs> Okay, so let's get right into it we're gonna be talking first about all of just the fun facts and the stats about the state now Connecticut used to have two capitals for a long time it was split between New Haven and Hartford Connecticut as the capital and you know we'll go into the history and the years and all of that but then they finally just chose one capital and it was Hartford so now that is the singular state capital it became a state on january 9th seventeen eighty eight, and it takes its name from this Algonquian, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh word meaning the land on the long tidal river. Now that Algonquian is how I think you say it, that language was um that was a language that was spoken by the Native Americans here, and so Connecticut means land on the long tidal river. Its state motto is in Latin. I again will probably pronounce uh, this wrong, but I'm guessing it's "Qui transultis sustinet." I maybe put a French uh, spin on that, but it means "He who transplanted still, he who transplanted still sustains." Um yeah so that's the state motto it seems kind of random but i think a lot of people who came to connecticut were from like massachusetts and i'm guessing that's where it came from the nicknames the main nickname is the constitution state and we'll get into why but basically a lot of the u.s constitution is based on the principles that the connecticut um, first founding documents kind of outlined It's also called the nutmeg state. It's called the land of steady habits. And it's also called the provision state because in the Revolutionary War, a lot of um, people in Connecticut or like Connecticut leadership directed um, Connecticut to supply a lot of provisions during the Revolutionary War to the rebel side. The state song, two were listed. One is Yankee Doodle and one is beautiful Connecticut Waltz. The population is just about three and a half million people as of 2020. So not crazy high population, but still pretty dense. Geography, it's only 5,500 square miles. So it's like three and a half million people in only, yeah, five and a half square mile, five and a half thousand square miles. So yeah, the density is pretty high, as are a lot of those northeastern states. Like we talked about Delaware being one of the most Uh, densely populated states and so this kind of goes along with that as well it has some central hills and low mountains in the north and there is in the north the land is very heavily forested Um, the climate seems pretty nice except for summer seems pretty hot so in spring it averages like 38 to 60 degrees that's the average low and high so it's pretty wide in variation It says there's often snow or frost on the ground like in March but then as spring arrives there's a lot uh, warmer weather the summer is 60 to 83 degrees which is the average low and high but I I think the humidity is just so much that that 83 feels hotter fall is a pretty mild 42 to 63 degrees and winter is 20 to 37 degrees it's very cold and very deep snow and it has six times the amount of precipitation in the winter than it does every other season so all the other seasons average about four inches of precipitation over the course of the three months and in winter it's like 25.6 or 20 it was in the 25s uh 25 inches of precipitation because of how much snow there is so if you don't like winter don't go to connecticut okay So let's talk about the history before statehood so we've talked a lot about the native american tribes and like in this same region so obviously there were native american tribes and then there were english or there were um european explorers so connecticut was first explored by the dutch They founded some trading posts, but then the first permanent settlements were made by English Puritans from Massachusetts, and they started in 1633. So unlike a lot of these other colonies where people came directly from England, people came directly from England to Massachusetts and then Massachusetts, Massachusetts, I guess you would say, um, those colonists came down and started um, settling the Connecticut area in 1633. William Holmes from the Plymouth Colony established a settlement in what became the town of Windsor. In 1634, Captain John Oldham established a settlement south of Hartford, Connecticut that eventually became the town of Wethersfield. And then in 1636, Thomas Hooker and a group of settlers from Massachusetts then founded Hartford. So those were three different um, settlements. One was Hartford, one was Windsor, and one was Weathersfield. The colony of Connecticut was formally founded when the three of those joined together. Okay, in 1637, the colony declares war on the Pequot tribe. Pequot tribe. This is a Native American tribe that was native to the land. This was led up to with years of conflict over land, over trade, livestock. There were numerous American, Native American tribes who fought on both sides, um, it says. So the whole area was really like just embroiled in these conflicts. And so um, the English settlers allied with some of the tribes and then what um, were really at war with the Pico tribe. They outlawed the Pico. I hope, I I think I'm saying that wrong, Paquat or Paquo, whatever. They outlawed that language and name in 1638 in the Treaty of Hartford. That's like what ended this uh, war on the tribe. They seized their tribal lands. They disbanded the surviving tribe and sold them into slavery. So definitely some dark history there. And then but that the remnants of that tribal nation is still in southeastern connecticut to this day so in 1638 the new haven colony was established by john davenport eaton and the puritans like he had a group of puritans with him and they established new haven and then in 1638 john haynes is chosen as connecticut's first governor which is much earlier than i guess i thought but It seems to align with other colonies so i don't know why that seems so early to me all of a sudden but yes the first governor happened in 1638. now in connecticut they kind of prided themselves on political independence they proclaimed the fundamental orders of 1639 it was that what that was were these documents that outlined the democratic principle of government based on the will of the people now it was said to have been the first written constitution of a democratic government. Uh, and this is a lot of what our U.S. Constitution is based on. In 1643, Connecticut's, um, Connecticut became the founding member of the New England Confederation. So this group of colonies um, up in the Northeast all joined this group to kind of be a collective. In 1647, although the Salem Witch Trials wouldn't happen for I think a couple more decades, the first person in Connecticut was executed for witchcraft in 1647, which is wild. Like, I, yeah, I forgot that this is the area where it all happened. Technically, the Salem witch trials were in Massachusetts, but it's all kind of in the same area. And so the first hanging of a quote witch was 1647. 1656 the first municipal public library in America was founded in New Haven so they're really leading the way in reading and literacy and education which we'll see because there are a lot of schools and education uh, you know institutes in Connecticut 1662 John Winthrop jr. acquires a royal charter that was meant to unite Connecticut and New Haven colonies this serves as the connecticut constitution for the next 156 years and unification is complete by 1665 so it took about three years to actually unite them but the charter to do that was uh given in 1662 in 1670 the first survey for the first turnpike in america was occurred It, it was surveyed so we're really starting to get into like some bigger thinking about transportation even as early as the 1670s so 17th century colonists did a lot of agriculture and trading but connecticut is not big as we've been over and so there was a limited there was only so much land so connecticut with a lot of these other kind of smaller states in new england definitely turned quickly to manufacturing and we'll see that all throughout connecticut's history is a lot of manufacturing definitely during wars like they supplied provisions as I mentioned so they were a big supplier of like ammunition for the Revolutionary War and they just couldn't farm that much because of the limited land so states like this that were small and dense really kicked it into gear with manufacturing Now, this I saw in a fun fact about Connecticut, but it says during a candlelit dispute that occurred when Sir Edmund Andrews attempted to seize Connecticut's royal charter by order of of King James II in 1687, the lights went out and the charter was whisked away to safety amid the chaos. Captain Joseph Wadsworth hid the charter inside a grand white oak tree, which became a symbol of freedom and later the official state tree. So we'll go over all the state symbols, but yes, the official state tree is the white oak because of this incident where he hid the charter inside the white oak tree. Okay, 1701, Yale University was founded in New Haven. It's kind of a dream like to go to Yale and see it. I got one like brochure in high school that was advertising Yale, and I had this huge like, dream to apply and go, and then I looked at the price, so I was like, not worth it but yale just seems like top tier like i want to go to a school that was founded in 1701 you know so 1701 yale university that is in new haven in 1729 the first medical diploma was granted by yale university so we're pumping out medicine quick from yale in 1764 the first newspaper Connecticut was published the Hartford Courant it was published October 29th 1764 and this is like kind of getting towards the lead-up well it's 12 years before but you know it's kind of getting to the time of the Revolutionary War but as of right now they're still under the Royal Charter and you know all is well okay so then we get to the revolutionary war time many Connecticutans fought in the revolutionary war now there's two that were the biggest names of them one was nathan hale he was a patriot spy and he was the one that famously said like my only regret is that i only have one life to lose for my country he uh got hanged by the british troops and then general israel Put- putnam um he led the battle at bunker hill And he was the one that said, don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. So those were both people from Connecticut. So big contributions to the war. Again, George Washington called Connecticut the provision state because so many supplies were contributed to his army by the governor, Jonathan Trumbull. Also, fun fact, Benedict Arnold. It says, whose name has become synonymous with the word traitor after he conspired with the British to turn over the post at West Point in exchange for money and a command in the British Army. He was born in Norwich, Connecticut. So a little bit of stain on the Connecticut history there. But in 1781, he led British troops in the Battle of Groton Heights, which devastated New London, Connecticut. So yeah, definitely a traitor, but he was born in Connecticut. Okay, 1784, the first law school in America was founded. Again, huge emphasis on education, literacy. So Connecticut has a bunch of smart people, basically. Uh, 1787, okay, after the Articles of Confederation, you know, didn't really work. And they needed a new constitution. They They called the Constitutional Convention. And Connecticut had two delegates, Roger Sherman and Oliver Ellsworth now they developed a plan that established the two-house legislature it's called the great compromise or the connecticut compromise now so this is what it is i was actually just talking about this with my husband like because the new jersey plan you know in our last new jersey podcast we talked about how their delegates to the Uh, Constitutional Convention brought up the New Jersey plan which was saying that every state no matter their size would have the same representation in Congress or like in the how in the legislature well um, the big states wanted it to be population-based the small states wanted it to be equal throughout every state what the uh what the Connecticut compromise did was make it a two house legislature, which means the Senate has two seats for every state and the House is proportional to populations. This was adopted july sixteenth seventeen eighty seven by a one vote margin okay that's crazy to me because we okay in America. <laughs> we go by the Constitution, like that is the document that if something's unconstitutional, you don't do it. Now there's some bending of that Constitution. There's some amendments and everything. But the structure of the US Constitution is pretty much set in stone. And we just kind of take it as like, yep, that's how America is. It must like in my mind, it was just an astounding vote margin because everyone must've been on board with this great compromise. No, it was by a single vote margin. If one guy had just changed his mind, we would have a completely different structure of the U.S. like government right now. So anyway, that's crazy. But that is the Great Compromise, and it came from the delegate, delegates of Connecticut. Okay, so then that was put in the u.s constitution they have it it was ratified by connecticut january 9th 1788 becoming the fifth state to ratify one of the first things they did was build the first state house in america Um, and in 1794 so this is a a very round circle moment or full circle moment so we just talked about in the georgia state episode that eli whitney made the cotton gin which basically made like this whole southern region just inundated with slaves because they were harvesting cotton to put in this cotton mill and the invention of the cotton gin really made, created like this need for slavery and there was just this like so many slaves in this one part where the cotton gin um was put and cotton was able to be grown okay so eli whitney who invented that cotton gin he was from new haven and he uh patented his cotton gin like in connecticut so it's interesting how all these podcasts kind of blend in because like it's just one back to back i mean i know that it's all around the similar time period and stuff but what are the odds that we would just study georgia and now we're just studying where eli whitney was from Okay, 1803, there was the first town library that was tax supported and organized in Salisbury. 1806 was um, the first factory town in America was kind of created. It was in Seymour, Connecticut. And also in the same year, Noah Webster published his first dictionary. So it kind of again goes along with the like educational literacy theme that we're seeing throughout Connecticut Noah Webster's first version of his dictionary the Webster dictionary was abbreviated so it wasn't the entire thing the full edition wasn't published until 1828 okay then again Connecticut was very into manufacturing and so Connecticut developed a factory that did the first movable parts mass production and those parts were used for clocks. So big technological advances with the mass production of moving parts. And they were also big manufacturers of iron, brass, rubber, textiles, gunpowder, armaments, and then of course, clocks. Okay, then the War of 1812 comes along. Um, Connecticut survived many blockades, it said, and Isaac Hull, who captained the USS Constitution, was from Connecticut. Okay, and then I kind of just had a general, like, time period, big chunk of, like, 60 years, but from 1801 to 1861, that whole period was kind of defined as lots of construction, new roads, canals. There's, like, definitely that focus on transportation that we've seen in other northeastern states at that time. In 1814, there was something called the Har- Hartford Convention, and that was held at the old state house. The meet- it said, this meeting of Federalist leaders from Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont secretly adopted seven proposed amendments to the federal constitution that were later accused of being treasonous. So they were part of this little secret <laughs> secret club, and they were treasonous amendments. Okay, in 1818, the new constitution was adopted, or a new constitution, like a new state constitution, was adopted by convention in Hartford and approved by voters. This ended the system of the established church in Connecticut. Okay, in 1822, Captain John Davis of New Haven becomes the first man to set foot on the Antarctic continent. So again... I mean, not again, but there's also a big focus on, like, exploration. Okay, 1835, the revolver was patented by Colt. So that makes sense because of the manufacturing of guns. But yeah, the revolver was invented and patented in Connecticut as well. Okay, 1843. The civil rights of Jews were protected through the act, uh, through an act guaranteeing equal privileges with Christians in forming religious societies. So, like in early America, there was a lot of discrimination against many different people. Civil rights of Jews that happened in 1843. So now they could form their own religious societies, basically equal to Christians. 1844. We're continuing with the smart people in Connecticut, Dr. Horace Wells used anesthesia for the first time in Hartford. So that would be very scary using anesthesia for the first time and being the one to administer that because I feel like even now it's kind of a guessing game. Like you hear about people waking up on the table and stuff. Can you imagine in 1844 being like the first test subject of anesthesia? Like, no thanks. But Very important medical advances happening at that time in 1846 now I don't know why well yeah so all of these like websites that I saw that that went over the history of Connecticut first of all there's only about one website that I found that had an actual good comprehensive breakdown of a timeline of the history of Connecticut I don't know why there's so few They either go over like chunks of history but most just focus on colonial period and nothing else so when I found this full list of historical timeline event breakdowns so many of the events were like formations of insurance companies various types of insurance one was like the first life insurance one was just in general insurance companies some were fire insurance companies so there's some big focus of insurance in Connecticut, or at least like there was one life insurance, or there was one insurance company and then a bunch of other ones sprung up, but Connecticut seems to be a lot, a place of a lot of insurance company firsts. Um, okay, so all that to say, Connecticut Mutual Life Insurance Company was chartered in 1846, and it's the first life insurance company. In 1848, slavery was banned in the state of Connecticut. So, if you remember back, the Civil War was in 1861. So, about 13 years before the Civil War um, occurred, slavery was already banned in Connecticut. Okay, from 1851 to 1877, Connecticut was on. Uh, well, I don't know why I put this as such a big. Um, time period I think like the article that I put just said 1851 to 1877 was kind of encompassing like the lead-up to the Civil War and then Reconstruction so basically in the Civil War Connecticut was on the Union side because again they had outlawed slavery General Joseph Hawley ended up being this 42nd governor of Connecticut and he fought and served in the war and there were a total of 55,000 Connecticut men to serve in the Union Army so the po- post-war fostered a period of mass industrialization people came off their farms and more people were drawn into cities to get these manufacturing jobs and make some good money especially again without limited land so this was a big period of industrial boom for um, Connecticut okay 1875 is the year that Hartford becomes the only capital again it was split between uh, Hartford and New Haven and then in 1875 they decided hey let's just have only one capital and that was Hartford in 1890 there was this very interesting case now I didn't get too far down the rabbit hole in this but essentially there's you know there's governor elections every few years And in 1890, there was this disputed election to the point it was disputed to the point where the current governor, whose name was Morgan Bulkley, had to continue to be governor for two additional years. Like they couldn't decide who won. I guess it was disputed in such a way that his term was actually just extended. So. Okay, in the 1900s, it says, the railroad press con- plus consumer literacy and printed materials gave way to a lot of marketing, it's like broad consumer marketing. This led to consumer troubles, and so the 20th century ushered in an era of federal legislation, new regulatory agencies, publications, etc., cetera, and it changed the relationships between buyers and sellers. Okay, so that was like a whole backstory into what was happening you know, in, because of this manufacturing stuff. In 1902 there was a constitutional convention of Connecticut held and they tried to get a new Constitution passed but it was defeated that was only for the state Constitution not for like the federal Constitution in 1911 Connecticut College for Women was founded at New London Connecticut then we have World War one so between 1917 and 1918 67,000 Connecticut men served in World War one and then at basically the same exact time, 1917 to 1919, the 18th Amendment was both proposed and then ratified by the correct number of states by 1919. Now, Connecticut and Rhode Island were the only two states that failed to ratify the 18th Amendment. So they never ratified prohibition in, a, in 1938, there was what was called the Great Hurricane of 1938. It was a huge loss of life, big, you know, floods and water damage and all of that. Then we have World War II in 1941 to 1945, 210,000 Connecticut men served in World War II, which, I mean, now the population is three and a half million. It was less then, and so 210,000 Connecticut men going is a lot like a big percentage of the population 1943 the general assembly established the interracial commission which was recognized as the nation's first statutory civil rights agency so again connecticut is pretty progressive in this like they banned slavery first they made the civil rights agency first and so they're on definitely the progressive side of uh politics in history 1947, they, um, the Fair Employment Practices Act was adopted, which outlawed job discrimination. That was in Connecticut. Uh, 52,000 Connecticut men served in the Korean War between 1950 and 1952. And then in, from 1952 to 1940, okay, 1952 to 1954, the world's first nuclear submarine was built also in Connecticut. 1959, the General Assembly voted to abolish county governments, which went into effect in 1960, but um, it also voted to abolish local justice courts and established district courts. Let's see, 1961, the new state circuit court system goes into effect, Um, and then 104,000 Connecticut men and women served in the armed forces during the Vietnam War era that was all throughout 1962 to 1975 it counts Um, so they say that they served in the Armed Forces during that era 1965 a different constitutional convention was held the last one being 1902 and this time instead of the new Constitution getting defeated it was adopted and constitution got a re i mean Connecticut got a revamp of their constitution as recent as 1965 which I thought was interesting. I was not aware of that. In 1974, Ella Grasso was the first woman elected governor of the state and then in 2005 they made history because they were the first state to adopt civil unions for same-sex couples and then in 2008 they were like the first I think it was one of the first three or five states to start marrying same-sex couples okay so that is the history of Connecticut let's go over some of the fun little uh, symbols and people and attractions and things like that okay so famous people from Connecticut Seth MacFarlane Meg Ryan Katherine Hepburn JP Morgan John Mayer and Jenna Dewan Tatum but now I think not Tatum anyway um, they're all from Connecticut so there weren't as many as I thought but I guess Connecticut is small so there's a decent amount though there's a lot more on the list just ones that I actually recognized I put on there okay state symbols let's go over these so state bird is the American Robin state fish is the American shad the state mammal is the sperm whale I love when states make their mammals whales because yes Seems like a fish, but technically it's a mammal. (laughs) I I like that. Sperm whale is their mammal. Their state insect is the praying mantis. State flower is the mountain laurel, which was another state's state flower as well. I'll have to look that up. But it kind of makes sense. We're all on the east coast right now. And so probably if like Delaware, which is a really small state, has a lot of mountain laurels, then Connecticut also probably does too. So there's definitely some overlap in the states that we are going to go through because we're moving from east to west essentially dance is the square dance and i will say like most states that have a dance it's going to be the square dance so not a huge surprise there state mineral is the garnet state shellfish is the eastern oyster state tree is the white oak as we discussed the charter was hidden in a white oak and the state hero which they do have a state hero is nathan hale who is the patriot spy Then I put a few good attractions down here. Um, There's definitely way more than this, but I was really mostly interested in the historical ones. So we have the Putnam Memorial State Park, which was the site of the Continental Army's 1776 winter encampment. We got Yale University. We have Monte Cristo cottage, which was cool. It's the boyhood summer home of this guy named Eugene O'Neill. He was America's only Nobel prize winning playwright and you can see his childhood summer home which is really pretty very cute cottage vibes we have the hillstead museum which is a national historic landmark colonial Revival. okay and then the description of that is a colonial revival style house set on 150 acres with sunken garden collection of french impressionist paintings decorative arts and original furnishings and then also an important note is the u.s coast guard academy is in connecticut so you can also go see that they have a very beautiful campus around there so that is all i have for connecticut i hope you know if you i hope you enjoyed the episode but if you're from connecticut let me know if i miss anything if there are more attractions um cool things to do there i always love hearing that uh dm me at abby Rencore on instagram and make sure to leave the podcast a review if you haven't already Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this Connecticut episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye.